0: Hi, guys, welcome to Harsh Fast Fitness, episode 16, uh, Metabolic Adaptation with Brandon DeCruz. Um, I want to start today's episode uh, just with a little bit of a, a dialogue, I guess, between you and uh, and me, our audience. Uh, first one, I first want to always thank our uh, sponsors, uh, amino-pure.com, for sponsoring Hard Fast Fitness and all of our affiliates and business partners, the Excellence Cartel. Uh, being one of them, Rejuvenate HRT being another one, and all of the affiliate coaches that we work with consistently to bring you guys some very good material and facts in order for you to improve your your lifestyle, your health primarily. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about adaptations and primarily metabolic adaptations, the way that your body adapts to your metabolism, adapts actually to, to a diet. But I also want to touch base a little bit with regards to the way that you need to adapt to your lifestyle and the things that are going on uh, in your surroundings. Uh, Dieting is not easy, as you probably know. And the reason why we know that is because the numbers uh, basically tell us that all the time, right? Uh, People lose 30 pounds, gain it all, lose 50 pounds, gain it all. So what we're trying to do at Hard Fast Fitness is obviously uh, teach you uh, different techniques and lifestyle changes that will allow you to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And I've said it many a times, I don't want to call it dieting because we want to make sure that we're following this as a lifestyle. We want to make sure that you have the ability to go out and eat with your friends and family and loved ones and be able to be to moderate yourself uh, during the, the, the week so that you have the ability to do so. Um, this not only actually helps your mind, but it also helps your performance when you're trying to be in shape. And um, it actually helps you feel better. So uh, we go through life adapting to our environment, whether it's work environment, whether you're moving to a new school, whatever it is, you're constantly adapting. And that's part of, of the beautiful thing of being a human being where our bodies are adapting as we age. Um, obviously, science has shown us different ways of continuing to uh, fight against age uh, with the HRT. Uh, principles and in, in, in therapy uh, through nutrition through functional medicine I mean there's a lot of different things that we can help that we can do to, in order to prevent certain adaptations that are not good for us so with that being said I want to, I want you to really take something home today and, and and the message I guess today is to really focus on yourself um, focus on you being there for the people that love you the most uh, focus on how to improve and adapt to the environment, the pressures, the stresses of everyday life, so that you can be better for the people that you that need you the most. Uh, make sure you're adapting for the best, not the worst. So, uh, without being said, let's just dive into metabolic adaptation. I think you're gonna enjoy this episode. Um, a lot of people believe that there is no such thing as adapting to an adapting uh, an adaptive metabolism, but there really is. And uh, we're gonna put a lot of myths to the test today with uh, our special guest, Brandon DeCruz. Welcome to episode 16 with Brandon DeCruz, Metabolic Adaptation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 with my host, my co-host actually, Sonia Spiel. How are you Sonia?
1: good dude we're i didn't even realize we're on episode 15 that is so crazy crazy right for just two gym bros that one day were like dude we should do a podcast
0: you know uh, is and 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 we always talk about this how how everything got started even with like team and um how it's evolved into like and i don't want to call it a movement yet because but it will be a movement once we get our programs um our partnerships with rejuvenate hrt and and uh sonia was we and we're talking about are championing that effort from a, from a woman's uh, empowerment perspective. So I'm going to brief you guys real quick uh, with regards to some of the projects that we're working on, uh, some of the stuff that Sony's involved in. And actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to brief you on some of the stuff that we're working on. And then I'm going to let Sonia brief you guys in some of the stuff that she's going to be participating on, which I think is going to be great. Um, we had a great week uh, with Team Aminopure, a lot of good feedback. Uh, our network continues to grow. Our audience continues to grow. I look at statistics all the time. Uh, the biggest thrill for, for, for me is, because I'm a big numbers guy, is the mere fact that our, our, even now still our women, um, I don't want to say population, but our, our, our the, the ladies that are starting to use and, and look into our podcast is growing and growing and growing, and it's becoming more diverse. And that brings a lot, I mean, man, that makes me super happy because uh, at one point we were like 98 to, we're like 68, 31, 68, uh, 32, whatever it is. Um, so it's growing. And a lot, I think a lot of it has to do with because we're, we're really honing in on a lot of women topics uh, things that affect women's performance and whatnot. And having a different perspective, having Sonia on board with us uh, through Hard Facts Fitness brings a different element. You know, anytime you have a couple guys talking, it, it turns into a bro talk so, kind of sometimes, right? So having a different perspective of how female things and what affects them on a, on a consistent basis is fantastic. So having Sonia here as, as a co-host of Hard Facts Fitness has been a treat. And I hope you guys are definitely enjoying it. And I know you are because I hear it all the time. Um, Thanks, other than that, we've had a, we've had a great week. We launched, I think we, we had a, we launched a bunch of peptides, had a great 4th of July, uh, from an informative standpoint, uh, weekend. I know that a lot of you guys were out barbecuing and, uh, it's, it's funny because our, 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 special guest today, which I'm not going to name his name yet. <laughs> we're going to do a full formal intro. He, he just said, Hey, I work 16 hours a day. And I'm like, somebody else works 16 hours a day other than me (laughs) which is crazy uh but we're bringing a lot of stuff a lot of good info um and uh we're hoping uh we're launching inflammation actually the 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 podcast with uh austin stout this coming week um we're a little behind we are a little behind and that's basically on me and 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 i i take ownership of that
1: no one cares Uh, it's a holiday weekend dude but
0: but you know what we're gonna get uh, that was a great great episode on inflammation with austin stout anytime we have austin is a treat um, and, uh, now we're film, we're filming, <laughs> we're recording episode 15, which is kind of surreal, uh, with, uh, Brandon DeCruz and we'll do a formal intro with him, but tell us a little bit about Sonia, what, what have you been up to this week and tell us primarily your, your, your initiative. Like you're, you're partnering up with one of our affiliates, one of our, our companies rejuvenate HRT. And, and what are your goals with that? And, and how do you see that developing? Cause I think that the network continues to grow. I mean, you see it, right? You we're reaching so many people. So talk to us yeah. a little bit about that in your week and go for there.
1: So I ended up in Vegas. I don't want to say accidentally. It wasn't an accident, but definitely last minute. Um, One of my favorite bands, Supply, was playing down there on 4th of July. And so we were both kid-free. And my boyfriend's like, let's go to Vegas. Like surprised me and is like, just like make sure you're not recording any of those days. And so we ended up flying out on 4th of July and we saw them, which was fucking amazing. And Vegas was like so nice. We actually did it. It's kind of weird because Vegas is is. Like really quiet right now. I went last year, and like even the pools were closing at six every day, and it's just it's really different. So we just relaxed, you know. It's like we woke up, we went to the gym, we had overpriced coffee, overpriced you know breakfast, and like all the stuff, and you know it was, eggs. <laughs> yeah, it was actually like really yeah. I know I'm all like, can I get extra chicken, you know? And it's like it's so funny though because I ordered a chicken salad the first day, and I asked guy, I'm like, because I'm 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 in like a little fat loss phase. And I asked the guy, and I'm like, "How much chicken is it?" And he's like, six ounces." And it comes, and so like baby my boyfriend, baby. yeah, my boyfriend <laughs> like, not in this industry, but it was the cutest thing ever because the, the salad went down, and I looked at it, and I like turned my head, and he's like, "That's only like four ounces," and it was so funny because I was like, "That is four ounces, is like four ounces. was totally four ounces," and I looked at him, and it was like. My heart is so big right now. <laughs> don't,
0: don't you love that? Don't you love I that? Were,
1: yeah, because you're making an not. impact, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like he's been, he's been like, since we've been together, he's been like kind of tracking his food and his protein and stuff. So that was awesome, but just excited to kick shit off. So, um, yeah, like, like Ron was saying, like we have rejuvenate that, um, that has kind of been, you know, going hand in hand with a lot of the movement that we've been a part of. And, you know, as a nutrition coach, I work a lot in homework hormonal dysfunction and working on the side of, you know, how does nutrition play a part in this? What does lifestyle play a part in this? And then I don't always get a chance to really work hand in hand on, you know, there's only so much you can do on, on, on a functional nutrition side of things to bring hormones back, especially <sighs> premenopause menopause or around pregnancy or like heavy cases of amenorrhea. There's just some things where it's like, how can we physically getting you fe- get you feeling better the quickest? Um, and what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What are your goals? What is your long-term vision for yourself? Um, because at a certain place in your life, you know, your hormones naturally declined, whether that was, um, you know, extra stress added to that or lifestyle factors added to it, just going quicker. Um, but I i'm starting to see more and more women that are leaning into hormone replacement therapy so i've been working a little bit more with talking about uh, talking to rejuvenate we're definitely going to be partnering up to even do some you know functional coaching and um uh, you know uh, hrt kind of like packages together and then really working in the front of education because what is the everyday because let's be real it's not like my mom and her friends are listening to our podcast we do reach a lot of general population clients but they also already have a tie into the gym and stuff like that. You're normally not just listening to us and you're like, oh yeah, Austin Stout and PED use and inflammation, like it's normally not where it's starting. Um, So it's going to be really cool to work in the side. I love education. It's in my heart. It's my passion and work with Rejuvenate to kind of start to get like videos out and talk about lifestyle, stress, sex drive. Um, You know, what does it look like for a mom? What does it look like for a housewife to kind of like implement some of these things in their day-to-day life because it is a little bit different. You know, you're like, I worked 16 hour days. Awesome. I have a five-year-old, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> talk <not> about <laughs> working 16 hour days, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's like, the I make. yeah, she just pooped and needs me to come wipe her. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's like oh, yeah. six, different, you know what I'm saying? So you know,
0: major props to all the moms out there. Uh,
1: oh, and dads, single dads, dude. Like I watch
0: dude and, and i'm gonna talk about super moms because i, I see I, I i you don't appreciate the females sometimes and i and, and, until you see a mom and i call them super moms because you'll see the diaper bag you see the baby you see 20 bags of groceries and i'm like you know i remember saying man i gotta carry all those groceries and then i'm looking at some lady carrying like her child the groceries the bag and i'm like those are super moms right there you know, and, and and going back to what you were saying, Sony, the initiative that that, that rejuvenate has, and we work really close with them, uh, because we've actually sent a lot of clients over to, to Chris, and uh, they all come back with you know stellar reviews of, of the, not only the service that they provide but the information. So the information highway has been uh, that that we're creating. We we can say now officially that Fitness has a voice. Uh, we're growing that fast. To the point that people are listening, we get messages all the time. I they're they're consulting right now people that we've actually sent over there, and their 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 feedback is I feel it's been two weeks and I feel much better. And I've worked with other clinics that couldn't dial me or fix me, uh, so I'm very grateful for that. And the biggest initiative they have right now is the woman empowerment movement, which I know you're a part of it, where they they selected a, a few a few very specific type of people let's call it that way that have the knowledge of how, what hormones mean and they're targeting per, particularly to women because a lot of women don't know that there's a solution to their problems that they're having from a hormonal standpoint so that's a great initiative to have um i think is gonna is gonna blow up because i've been getting messages saying do you guys treat women uh and and the answer is like yeah they treat women they, treat, they have female programs that they can help you And they're like wow a lot of a lot of hrt clinics don't do that well rejuvenate treats everybody. And, and that's that's a major plus. So we're excited to bring some some big heavy hitter, hitter names uh, to rejuvenate as, as, as that women empowerment movement. And we're excited at, at, at partnering with them. And uh, the sky's the limit for heart, fat fitness, for what our movement, for our initiative and what we're trying to accomplish. So I'm very happy to have Every single, every single coach has been here, every single speaker. Every, it, it's been just incredible, the, the amount of feedback, so we're very, very grateful for that. So we're going on to our main topic today. So our special guest today is Brandon De Cruz. Brandon, welcome to Fast Fitness. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. I mean, we've been we've been talking about collaborating and doing something for, for some time now, and we finally nailed the date. So, we we're, we're still trying to
1: see it, dude. And I was like, we, we were like, dude, he's like, it's funny because you get to see people in person and like meet people, and you're like, oh my God. Oh, you're yeah. like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I was like, so dope. You
2: know what I mean? So, I'm super it's, excited. It's actually ironic, Sonia, right after I saw you, Ron messaged me the next morning. <laughs> That's like, so yeah, was so fun. Like, I was like, listen, me. I just met Sonia
0: yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. We were like, we gotta get them on. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah,
0: very cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Brandon. What? And I always tell ask people uh, the coaches that come on, and <clears throat> I don't want to come across like a snob, but the 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 coaches and people that we that we that we bring on, they're very specific to us, and we pick them because we want people to share the same vision that, that we share at Harfax Fitness, which is knowledge bridging the gap between health and fitness, which is uh, a huge aspect of what we're trying to accomplish here with Harfax Fitness and, and, and all of our initiatives with our partners as well. As you know, we partner with New Ethics, we partner with Scooby Prep, we're partner with we partnering with partnership with Relentless Forever, Jeff Black. So if you really put all of us in perspective, we all have the same vision and our approaches are very similar. They may, they may be different in a little ways, but our goal and vision is empowerment and knowledge. So talk to us a little bit about your, who you are. I know I I went to the bathroom like 10 minutes before I did some pushups. I'm like, I have a male model coming. I need to get a little pump going on, Uh, you know, so. uh, So tell us a little bit about your background. I want to know who Brandon the is, and then let's dive into the topic at hand, which is metabolic adaptation, which is a very important topic to discuss. We're stoked about that.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, First of all, thanks for that intro, but um, so I'm Brandon DeCruz, I've been working in the fitness industry uh, full-time for the past 13 years, and I've worked in all aspects of fitness. I mean, I've been a one-on-one personal trainer, I've been working in the supplement industry for this past 13 years as well, so I've done everything from supplement sales to national sales to research and formulation, so I have many products that are on the market that I have formulated myself, I've worked in uh, sports nutrition labs, and then also the past eight years, I have been actively engaged in coaching so i've been a coach as well i have like ron alluded to uh, i've done professional fitness modeling for close to the past 10 years i've competed 15 times over those years so i've been very active both in the academic side as well as the professional side but also in the trenches so this is where i combine both you know evidence-based research as well as anecdotal experience with myself and my clients and over the years, I've seen a lot of things that have really stood out to me that are, are both good things in the fitness industry, but you also notice along the way a lot of bad things. And especially when I got into coaching, we're talking 2012 or 2013. It was a completely different landscape and there was one or two things going on it was either you were someone that was extremely credible you had been a one-on-one personal trainer, you had been in the industry a long time because remember we're talking about a day where social media wasn't that prominent so there were no ig coaches and things of that sort so those that got into it and developed a, a coaching roster had experience And then as the years went on, we started getting more of, you know, into social media, which is great. I love social media. I think there's immense benefits. I wouldn't know you both if not for social media because we use it in the right fashion. We use it to educate people, but also to get connected with like-minded individuals who share our vision. However, with that came some, some drawbacks that I noticed, and it was people that were misinforming others. Uh, People that didn't have the credentials nor the experience or expertise to coach people, but had a big platform, so they were able to leverage it. So with that came a lot of mythology. And today we're going to speak on a topic that I'm extremely passionate about, which is metabolic adaptation. Because when I first started getting into competing, it was the initial phase of men's physique and and bikini. And at that point, the first couple of years, it went off without a hitch. You know, we were able, I remember doing photo shoots, just being in photo shoot shape and showing up to a show and winning. I mean, like the standard wasn't there yet, but as it became more and more competitive, now we saw these down regulations. But with that came people that perpetuated myths like metabolic damage, like starvation mode, things of that sort. So I got to a point where not only was dieting becoming harder for myself because the standard had been raised, but I was getting all these complex cases. I was having women come to me and tell me straight up, give me that they had a diagnosis by their former coach that they had metabolic damage. Or that they had been in starvation mode and all these things. So me being more from a research background, I started digging into the literature. I started thinking about looking over my case studies with my own individual clients, looking at when did this person stall? What could have precipitated these stalls and fat loss? And it really came to a point where I became very passionate about learning the intricacies of not only the physiology of fat loss and the psychology of fat loss, but also the down regulation aspect. So, you know, when we talk about fat loss, you know, most people know the key underlying principle that, un, you know, that determines fat loss, which is calories in versus calories out. So essentially, in order to lose body fat, you need to essentially consume less energy than you expend on a daily basis, which will put you in that calorie deficit and will cause your body to essentially liberate and burn stored body fat as fuel. So we know that as the law of thermodynamics, aka the SECO model, And, but that's what I refer to as a simple story we're told or we're sold behind dieting. So calories in and calories out are not two independent variables, meaning we can't change one without the other. You know, when you you decrease your calories, it's gonna impact the other side of the energy balance equation, but a lot of people don't see it as such. You know, so essentially what I'm trying to get across to people is, you know, most people know that a calorie deficit causes fat and weight loss, but very few understand what else a calorie deficit can cause. So that was where we got back to the point of metabolic damage of starvation mode and where I really started to look into it because I had people that had this self-limiting belief that they, they had this issue, that they had this diagnosis, that there was something wrong with them. And, you know, I I wanted to be able to help them. First of all, I wanted to know if it was real because I'm seeing all these people and they're telling me, listen, I'm eating less calories and I'm not losing weight. Um, You know, I, I can't seem to, my metabolism is so slow, all these things. And I'm saying, all right, well, I've seen this certain times, I've seen some stalls and clients, but now I'm getting people that already have that limitation in their mindset. So keep in mind that, you know, your psychology governs your physiology. So they're coming to me with this and I'm noticing like their fat loss journeys are harder than the, the clients that I had that preceded them. And so that's where, you know, I'm going to go into a little bit about what starvation mode is, what metabolic damage is yeah, and, and how it's different and why
0: it's, it's a mythology. It's a myth. I think that the biggest misconception, and I'm going to backtrack to the beginning of what you just said right now. Um, Instagram has been a portal, uh, even for us, and I. And it's it's funny because you you're saying a lot of things that I've said before, and I believe completely. It's good and it's bad because number one, it's information highway, but that information can be construed in very good solid based scientific approach information which we all wouldn't meet here talking to one another if we wouldn't have met through Instagram or through some of the seminars that Sonia were not so that's that's great because now we're putting a team of, of good quality coaches together that are understand understand the science behind it but then on the other side you have people that you know and <clears throat> we're very blunt here. So I'm just gonna be blunt. You know, you have a really good looking girl showing her booty to the entire world every single day and takes pictures of her ass every single day. And I'm a coach, right? I'm a join my journey because I can make you look great. And how, And my, my thinking behind that is what in the world do you know about metabolic adaptation, about deregulation of enzymes, deregulation of enzymes, deregulation of thyroid. And that's really where the science approach comes into place. And, and that's what we're trying to debunk. Is like, Stop looking at images and thinking that those people, and, 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 it, and it may sound derogatory, but- I did a
1: post on that the other day. I think I said, like, picking a coach based on how shredded they are is like picking a OBGYN based on how many kids they have. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it's- it it's fucking qualify you. I've been shredded too, dude. And I've been metabolic resistant. And I've had, you know, it's like, we've, and so like, that's the thing is it's like, you have to kind of know and you have to be digging it, but what do we want? they have it so they must know they do it so they must know and it's like some people are just i have friends that are naturally born with like they're just shredded abs all the time and they have brand,
0: brand is fun. one of them <laughs> so
2: so that's the misconception and that's why i got so into this okay because i had people coming to me but remember when i'm talking about initially it was a little bit easy I'll, I'll say easier i was very active i was already an athlete and so i was already fitness modeling i was already dieting so doing men's physique shows was I would say easier initially, but we're talking about a board short division that looked like you were going onto the beach. Once they raised the standard, I started hitting these roadblocks and I was saying, fuck, I can't lose fat. Maybe these people are right. Maybe there is metabolic damage. Maybe there is a starvation mode. And then I started peeling back the layers of the onion, looking at the literature, looking at different aspects that we'll go over today. And I realized, no, 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 it's not your resting metabolic rate that's damaged downregulated. It is, it is to a certain degree. However, what it is, is that your activity levels have dropped. You're in the office more now. You're not moving as much. So your need levels have dropped. And there's so yeah. many different, many factors, patient,
0: you know, it, 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 yeah, that
2: you don't consider. So I've hit, I've hit roadblocks. I've hit challenges. And I'll tell you, utilizing some of the strategies that we'll go over at the end, I've been able to mitigate. And I will make this clear. You will not avoid metabolic adaptation. This is a natural process. Because think about it, the body evolutionarily, I always like to go back to evolution. And we think about it in the context of our ancestors. What was dieting perceived by the body as? Famine or starvation. Right. So there are these survival mechanisms put in place to avoid, you know, essentially going into a starved state. So this is a natural process. However, your approach is what dictates the level and the degree and magnitude of the metabolic adaptation that you experience and whether you get over those, those hurdles or not. I try to explain it to people like that loss is a difficult experience. It's like, um, you know, trying to ride a bike up here. It's always challenging, but for some, they have a, a shittier bike. You know what I mean? They just have, you know, lower level of activity, maybe a, a slightly slower metabolism. They're a little bit more uh, susceptible to getting these down regulations. So they got to pedal a little bit harder than the other person. However, that, that climb is never insurmountable. These are things you could always get past putting a little bit more effort in taking a smarter approach, you know, you know,
0: that's also the skill of the coach. And that's why I always say I'm very proponent for coaches because if you have a good coach that he can identify, it's like, okay, everyone has a different level of need, right? Activity on a daily basis. Um, you may have, you, this guy's a construction worker. And the so guys
1: for need, break down what need is because I think that the, some people are going to know what need is and some people are not.
0: Go yeah, for so it. So need is all non
2: exercise activity thermogenesis. And this includes all of your, indirect or unintentional movement that is not direct exercise so we're talking about i speak with my hands i'm half italian so that's me. That's <laughs> your steps are part of me you're fidgeting maintaining right. postures every single thing walking in the store all of these things these non-conscious activities that you would go throughout the it's essentially activities of daily living so that could be part of your your occupation if you're a labor worker, as compared to someone that's an office worker, your levels of need are going to be extremely, you know, vastly contracted. So these are just non-conscious activities that you participate throughout the course of the day, but they add up in terms of calories. We're going to go over that because. I have some studies to go over that you're going to see there's an enormous amount of variation that accounts for why someone might say, Oh, I have a slow metabolism. No, you have no low knee levels. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. And and some coaches, I mean, primarily the, what what, what they call the cookie cutter coaches, right? They they provide the same type of uh, say cheat or, 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 Hey, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this to everyone without taking into consideration, Hey, you are, you work in labor, And maybe this guy is a cop in New York city where he's walking around on his feet all day long. And then you have somebody maybe like, let's say like me that that spends half of his entire day in front of three different computers and that'll move as much. Every single one of us is going to be different. Right? So that needs to be taken into consideration as well. Um, Awesome. I mean, what a great intro, uh, Brandon. So thank you for that. So let's start, let's start, let's, let's start dialing it in into what is metabolic adaptation? Let's take it down to the basics for, for our gen pop people.
1: Or metabolic and- adaptation versus metabolic damage. Because I think a lot of people, I use the metabolic damage thing like adrenal fatigue or you know adrenal damage and it's like this long-term thing. And it's like, we have to start looking at the body as one of the most adaptive things in this world. So break down for us a little bit about what you've heard before and what you've seen in the science and literature.
2: Okay, so essentially starvation mode is what precedes metabolic damage. So starvation mode is the idea that the longer and harder you diet, the more your metabolism slows down to the point that it will eventually come to a halt where you'll no longer be able to lose weight or body fat. And actually, a lot of people have this misconception that you'll actually gain weight when you're in a calorie deficit. So I've come into contact with tons of either prospective clients or I see people on social media posts about it who are under the impression that they permanently damage their metabolism through their past diets and through periods of caloric restriction. And there are some down regulations and there are side effects of dieting. That is not to be denied. However, they haven't done permanent damage as they believe. And the issue with this is it leads individuals to believe that they are essentially like unable to, you know, efficiently lose body fat and weight loss as a result of their you know, metabolism being quote unquote, you know, broken. So not only is this belief incorrect as starvation mode and metabolic damage both do not exist and have been disproven in the literature, but it also causes people to believe that they're damaged and to have this negative mindset around the topic of dieting and essentially like what I notice, especially which I I really am into both the physiology and psychology behind dieting nutrition training all of these aspects because I, you cannot separate physiology from psychology. But what I notice with these individuals that believe in these myths is that they have this defeatist attitude when it comes to trying to lose weight and body fat. So what I always try to get across to people that are under this misconception, before I send them the literature, before I send them the studies, all that stuff, all of that stuff's not going to penetrate people until I get this across. But I always you know, try to remind them, literally, no one is immune or exempt from starvation. So there's no way that you would You wouldn't lose weight from eating in a true deficit. Now, the thing is, what equals a deficit for you is gonna be different than for someone else. And also what was once a deficit for you, as we'll go on and allude to later, is gonna be much different in week one of dieting than it is in week 12 of dieting. So although starvation mode and metabolic damage do not exist, metabolic adaptation
0: is a very real thing. And that's something I would not deny. So can you you break down a layman's term, like in simplified form for a gen pop, I, we understand it, but there's, there's a lot of our audience that's like, okay, well, what, what is really metabolic ad- adaptation? What is the process, what it causes it and, and what is it in very simplified form?
2: Okay, absolutely. So it's pretty well known that when, you know, it's well accepted that your metabolic rate will drop as a result of, you know, losing you know weight essentially, because you become lighter. So our bodies don't need to burn as many calories per day to maintain, you know, even just our daily functions of living. So lighter body just equals, you know, less energy. However, metabolic adaptation refers to the fact that we actually experience a substantially larger drop in metabolic rate and total energy expenditure than we predict to see just from the amount of weight that you we lost. So what we see on average, like in research studies that there's a 15% reduction in total calories burned per day than we'd expect. So for instance, I'll give you an example. Say someone is 250 pounds. We have two males, one is 250 pounds and one is 200. The 250 pound male, drops 20% of his body weight and gets down to 200 pounds. And now we have the other person that's essentially at what we would consider like their homeostatic baseline, like their comfortable body weight, their fighting weight. If we looked at, you know, if we actually measured the resting metabolic rate of the person that dieted down to 200 pounds compared to the person that naturally defends that weight at 200 pounds, we'd see about a 15% um, difference in metabolic rate because that person, that's not their natural weight. They have come away from homeostasis remember, we're adaptive beings, but we also the body wants homeostasis; it wants balance. So, essentially, metabolic adaptation refers to that difference. And then there's three components of metabolic adaptation that essentially encompass exactly what happens in the process. So, the first one that most people are aware of, or that is you know commonly mis con- you know kind of confused for metabolic damage, is the slowing or the downregulation of your metabolism. Then we have hormonal changes that occur from dieting, and then we have mitochondrial changes. So it's those three categories that we'll go into that essentially encompass what metabolic adaptation is. But overall, it's we're seeing that our bodies are burning less calories than we'd expect and that what we should have been able to maintain our weight on is no longer because we've died to that. We're away from our body fat set point. We're at a lighter. It's the same thing as being in a contest like or you get ready for a wedding or a photo shoot or you, know, you just try to drop some pounds. Your body is not used to that weight, and it needs to adapt, and does that through decreasing its energy expenditure.
1: It's funny to watch to to actually go through and experience that too, right? And just like as a small example, post show, like I was down to six percent, six point seven percent body fat as a natural athlete, which is really fucking low. Low, yeah. Hormonal issues, right? I was lean, I was striated with my glutes, but and which you don't need as a bikini competitor, but it was like. But it's like the just the just the small effects of gremlin and leptin coming out of a show, which are your hunger hormones and your satiety hormones, your body's natural reaction, like your gremlin is completely elevated, and your leptin is completely suppressed, meaning you're just hungry all the time and you can't get full. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me?" You, it's just like binge eating disaster because your hormones are so like, like he was saying, are so like stuck in that like starvation mode. It's just trying to adapt to the situation and, and bring itself out of that place. So what other changes hormonally are you seeing with people going through heavy dieting phases or being very lean for a long period of time?
2: Yeah, so actually the first thing we see, we actually don't see hormonal changes first because hormonal changes, we have both what's called acute changes. And then we have chronic changes from dieting. Mm. So acutely, the first thing we would actually see is that you would see when you go into a deficit, you would slow down your metabolism first. Now, most think of their metabolism as just their resting metabolic rate, which we've spoken about before, but your metabolism actually encompasses like all the chemical processes in your body that expend energy and has four different components of what's referred to as your total daily energy expenditure with the amount of calories you burn in 24 hours. So when we are, you know, from the metabolic side speaking, you know, before we get into the hormonal side, we'll see a decrease in every aspect of your total daily energy expenditure, including your resting metabolic rate, your thermic effect of feeding, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which we hit on a little bit before, and then your exercise activity thermogenesis. So the first thing that takes a hit is your resting metabolic rate. Um, which accounts for roughly 60% of the total calories you burn per day. And resting metabolic rate, essentially what that means is just the amount of energy you need to keep functioning at rest. Um, So your resting metabolic rate lowers when you start losing weight during a diet as you're losing body mass, which is metabolically active tissue, which burns calories in and of itself. So when you have less of that tissue, you become a lighter individual. there's There's less energy, essentially, that we need to keep the lights on. Um, however, there's also something called adaptive thermogenesis, which takes place and describes the fact that the amount of energy reduction we see in our resting metabolic rate, except you know, exceeds what we'd expect to see based purely on the amount of weight and mass that you lost through a diet. So then the next point that a lot of people don't ever consider with uh, you know metabolic adaptation is thermic effective feeding, and um, we see this get downregulated literally off the bat. So thermic effective feeding, for anyone that doesn't know, it's essentially the energy your body must expend to digest, assimilate, and essentially release the energy in the food that you're taking in. So basically we put energy in and we got to expend energy out to get you know energy from the food that we take up. And that accounts for about 10% of your total daily energy expenditure. And it actually drops the first day you diet. So a great way, I always explain this to clients in this way, say that our goal is to lose one pound per week. Well, we know that that's roughly 3,500 calories. So say in the course of the week, we put you in a 500 calorie deficit for those seven days off of day one of dieting when you're eating 500 calories less than you were you're now burning 50 calories less per day as a result of lowering the amount of food you're taking in so you're thus lowering the thermic effect of feeding you know so a lot of people don't even consider that they go hey i put myself i should have lost a pound per week um you know i was in a 500 calorie deficit no you were actually in a 450 calorie deficit now that doesn't mean that it's going to halt your weight loss but it's just a great example of you're not burning or you're not in the deficit that you think you are. And that's a major component of, you know, metabolic
0: adaptation. So and then the so, next- so one, 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 one uh, statement that I want to make a lot of times, and maybe you've encompassed this. There, and you, I don't know what that was. <laughs> and, and Okay. Uh, maybe you guys both have seen this, but for gen pop, I've gotten a, a lot of people in the past, basically, that will come and say, look, can you dial my nutrition in? And I said, well, you, if you're looking for coaching, you know, it takes time and progress. No, I just want a one-time diet and and you know where I'm going with this, right? A one-time diet, if you dial somebody in at, let's say baseline, for example, which is, you know, where you want to ideally start. And then, uh, you're not taking, they're not taking into consideration that your body's going to adapt to those calories, Right? You have that adaptive mechanism that your body basically, as you're starting to lower calories, your body adapts as a protective mechanism, knowing, hey, you're feeding me less food. So it's protecting itself and everything starts to downregulate, right? Uh, thir- uh, hormones start to regulate. Uh, we've talked about thyroid uh issues. Uh everything, every aspect of, of your body's mechanism starts to downregulate as a protective mechanism. So for a lot of Gen Pop people that are out there that think, hey, I just want a one-time diet and think they're gonna lose 40, 50 pounds off one diet, it doesn't work that way. It's a skill that you need to have a coach that basically brings your calories, knows how to adapt it to your body, adapt it to your lifestyle, adapt it to the way that your body works. And it's not a straight linear thing because everybody's so different. And that's where the skill of the coach comes into place. Like, okay, I'm noticing these trends and these patterns. And I know Sonia does uh, uh, tracks a lot of different patterns when she's still working with her, with her clients. And I know, like, I think Jeff does the same thing, both Jeff Sue and Jeff Black. They ha- and they chart a lot of things so they can start understanding how your body works and that's an that's a that's an art form because everybody's so complex. Everyone is so different, guys. So we don't want to we want to make sure that you understand that um, uh, the downregulation, like what much like what Brandon was talking about, the downregulation of your entire body system is going to uh, is going to occur as you're going through a diet phase. And uh, keep that in mind whenever you, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. And, and we see this and we hear this a lot, primarily from Gen Pop. I'm going on a diet today. I had a lady tell me just last week uh, send me a message and, and, and she said, I'm going on a diet break, on a diet, I've gained 50 pounds over the last year and a half. 50. And I said, Wow, that's that's a significant amount of weight. Uh, and she says, I'm, but I'm going on a diet, so I'm cutting out a lot of foods and I'm focusing on fruits and salads. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, Oh my God, you know, it's like, you're gonna have some issues with that because all you're focusing on is. Vegetables, which is great, but carbs right? There's no balance. There's no protein. you're talking about the thermic effect of food and how your metabolism is affected by what what you just mentioned, the way and the amount of the thermic effect of food and the way that your body has to work to burn that certain food out. And I know Sonia, you had a a, a very good segue last week or maybe the week before with regards to thermic. Maybe it was during uh, this episode, right? No,
1: it was the one that I talked about macros of how the thermic effect of food affects what we're eating in in thermogenesis throughout the body. And that's kind of a little bit what Brandon was saying is it's not just about calories in calories out because obviously it's just like the meat sweats, right? Like you go out and you eat a bunch of protein and it's like your body's now or a huge meal and you get like hot afterwards. Well, that's your metabolism adapting to to more food. Well, the same thing. It's like why you're cold when you're dieting and why, you know, all of a sudden you're not as hungry. You're like, Oh, I'm eating a hundred carbs versus 200, but I'm not really hungry. Well, your body adapts to what's needed and naturally, like again, you can see me like I talk with my hands, I'm always moving my hands. When I'm dieting, I'm just not, it's just not there. My body's just not doing the same exact things as normally is because our body does what? Our body adapts. And like you said, it's like I'm tracking with my clients. And I'm sure Brandon has his way of tracking too, because he's aware of all this information. It's like, I wanna know what are your steps because we'll have the same macro, well, same exact calories and macros for three weeks in a row. And all of a sudden somebody's crushed with work and they're averaging 3,000 steps a day versus their 10, 13 K. And it's like, well, I don't need to cut food. There's an adaptation that happened naturally throughout the body. And, and so like knowing that stuff as a coach and being aware of that is really important, but also as a person listening to this, if you're wondering why you're not losing weight, it's not always that you have some sort of like damage and that's kind of like what like what we're saying it's like it's not it's not that you were ruined it's that we need to be looking at a data point you know if you've done extreme dieting and you may have been able to be at 1700 calories before 1800 for maintenance but you've lost five pounds of muscle during that dieting phase it's not going to be the same so that's another thing when we talk about hormone replacement therapy as a woman it's not necessarily that you're getting older it's that you're losing muscle you're naturally going to be decreasing your metabolism as you're losing an average of two pounds a year in, as a woman after the age of 35. Of course, your fucking metabolism is turning down.
0: And, and, and stop. And one of the things that and I'm going with my hands because I'm feeding off the US. <laughs> of you guys. One of the things that I, I want to mention to Jen Pop out there stop thinking of weight loss. I mean, just stop focusing on weight loss. There's a big, a huge misconception. It's like, I lost six pounds. Okay, well, what kind of six pounds did you lose? Did you lose water? Did you lose muscle? Well, how much protein were you taking? Well, you have a 200 pound guy eating 100 grams of protein and he's lost weight. I'm thinking, well, ooh, you know, your protein's a little low for you, man. It's very possible that you've lost some some lean body mass there. Something you want to protect as a male, you know, a a, a physique enthusiast, as I call myself, I want to protect, I want to do everything in my power to protect every single ounce of muscle that I have and focus primarily on the fat loss. Right. I I don't I don't care that I lost five pounds if four and a half pounds of it is lean body mass. Right. Yeah. Now all of a sudden I'm skinny fat. And I don't want to be skinny fat. I want to be yoked and lean. And let's let's be honest. You know, we every single one of you guys listening to this, female or male, is an uh, is is trying to excel and maximize your performance and trying to look great. And there's a journey and everybody's journey is so freaking different, right? We talked about this in hormones. I mean, think of, think of what Brandon just said a little bit ago, the way that your body adapts, it's constantly adapting to everything that's being thrown at from cortisol, from stress management, from hormonal deregulation. And on top of that, uh, we talked about with, with Chris Neal, with during episode four, I think, or five, we talked about how you're, I could be at an estrogen level of, 35 and be okay. He could be at an estrogen level of 15 and be a total mess. Why is that? Because we're all different. We all are different. My metabolism, you can have two people that are five, eight, 190 pounds, and you can put them on the same diet and they're both gonna respond differently because their metabolism is different because of what they've done throughout the last six months maybe, is down-regulated every single aspect of their body, hormones, uh, thyroid, food, all of those aspects take into consideration. Go ahead, Sonia, I know you have something to say.
1: Brandon, I, I wanna know where, what like, what you start to see, cause this is something that I, I'm actually not familiar with, I mean a little bit, but not in depth, like you, you, I'm sure you can bring it home for us is what, what changes are you seeing in the mitochondria? So we talk a lot about that, obviously as we loop it back into l just because it's such a boost for the mitochondria. And, but I wanna know like from science, like what are you actually seeing on that side of things that gets downregulated during dieting phases or during times of low body fat?
2: Okay, so we got to realize in totality, when you diet, your body looks for every single way it could become more efficient so that it could essentially burn less calories than you're taking in and conserve those calories as energy. So one of the ways the body conserves energy, the most effectively and efficiently is actually to increase mitochondrial efficiency. So essentially what it does is mitochondria we, we know that from like you know our, our normal science classes from high school it's the powerhouse of the cell which make ATP but this is an energy costly process to create ATP and a lot of times what happens with the creation of ATP from substrates like carbohydrates and like fats you know mostly from carbohydrates though is that it's an energy costly process meaning the conversion to ATP uh, requires calories being burned and then the excess are essentially, um, burned off as heat. So that's what's called thermogenesis. But when we're in an energy deficit, the efficiency of our mitochondrial increase to make ATP without expending so many calories in the process as a body wants to conserve energy. So we're going to notice less of that, that efficiency. And we're also going to, our bodies are going to be less wasteful. So what we notice with that is it affects all different systems. One of the biggest systems it affects is your thyroid. You stop getting as hot. And like you mentioned previously, there's this big dissipation of energy. So when we you were talking about the meat sweats. Well, that comes back to multiple facets. It comes back to the thermic effective food with protein. Thermic effective food of protein or thermic effective protein is 20 to 30%. So we essentially burn 20 to 30% of those calories as heat. We burn it off, it's thermogenesis. We also refer to it as diet-induced thermogenesis. You eat it, you eat a whole bunch of protein, you might get that heat effect. However, when you're in a dieting phase and you won't get that same response, often like I'll track Sometimes with clients, their um, resting temperature, and we'll notice it starts dropping. That's also an implication for thyroid production. So it's this entire loop. What I try to get back to people is that the body is adapting in every single facet of its efficiency, of its activity, of its hormones, of its internal cells. It goes all the way from the brain. And we'll talk later about like the hormonal signals in terms of your hunger hormones. It goes from the brain and the hypothalamus all the way down to the cellular level. So we're seeing adaptations in every aspect. But what we actually see, and this is part of the mitochondrial efficiency, is that the efficiency of our movement becomes increased. So you're essentially not burning as many calories for activity as you would normally burn. So that comes back a lot to meat that we spoke about before, but what I really try to get home to people is that meat is actually the most variable between individuals. And it's also the most modifiable component of energy expenditure as it accounts for between 15% to 25% of your total daily calories burned. So the thing is like you, you hit on tracking meat. I've been tracking steps with clients for years, but this was something, if we just go back to 2014, 2015, this is something no one was considering. Um, and it's funny because there was a paper in 2015 that came out that I read where the researchers, it's a very highly regarded paper and this is kind of where like the meat movement came along. Uh, it was actually coined in the 2010s uh, the term meat, but it proposed that approximately 85 to 90 percent of what we consider metabolic adaptation come from down regulations in meat. That means 85 to 90 percent of those calories that were no longer burning as compared to what we would have are coming just from that down regulation and that slowing of meat where we're not moving as much. We're not fidgeting. So you mentioned that you would not be speaking with your hands if you were in a dieting phase. And the the very like the fascinating thing with meat is that it's so variable from individual to individual. So we have studies that show that there could be meat in terms of its calorie expenditure it can vary up to 2000 calories between individuals of the same body weight, the same sex and body composition. So think about it from this perspective. Uh, say that myself and another person, same body weight, same composition, same sex, same age, same all inputs, and we do a a BMR calculator, a calorie calculator, and we see that our resting metabolic rate is 2,000 calories. Well, if I have a much more active lifestyle, I might be able to maintain my weight on 4,000 as compared to him at 2,000 just due to that variance in meat, and we also see in studies that meat tends to drop up to 500 calories per day during a dieting phase, so think about it from this perspective. If you're in a 500 calorie deficit, I already told you that you go into a 500 calorie deficit, you lost 50 calories. Now you lose 500 calories from D. So are you in a deficit anymore? You're actually in a 50 calorie surplus. So that's what people don't get. They always they'll either do one or two things. They'll say, "I'm going, I'm you know suffering from starvation mode. I can't lose weight," or "calories in versus calories out doesn't work." No, you're not accounting for all the, the proportions, all right. of the variables within the equation that are getting downregulated. And it sucks. Absolutely. But that's where there's, we'll, we'll speak about later, how to attenuate these things and how to make up for it. But one of the biggest things, and you mentioned it previously, is tracking me and making sure you're, you're maintaining that those normal levels of physical activity.
0: Right. A lot of times people will say, you're so lucky, right? You're so lucky you can maintain your. I I can't do it. A, a lot of it is I I have had, for example, every morning now when I wake up. And uh, you're in the East Coast, I think you and I were texting. It was three o'clock in the morning, my time. I've been up since like 3.50, 3.30 in the morning. I'm a three thirty riser too, my friend. So <laughs> it was three thirty, and I was already working. And uh, right after I talked, I, we we started exchanging um, messages. I got on my I got on the treadmill and I started, and I go for a very slow one hour walk. Right? The reason why I want to do a slow paced walk is because I don't want my body to, to think I'm doing cardio. I'm just, do, I'm just trying to increase my neat, right? because I know that I'm sitting in my desk or I'm sitting here 70% of my day. And the only time that I have activities when I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting weights. right? So if I compare myself to somebody that is very active, you know, we talked about the construction worker or the cop that is walking around all day long, Yes, our our whole lifestyle is going to be different, but if we don't track neat, then that is a a key point as to maybe why I'm holding on to additional weight and I'm not able to break a plateau versus somebody else that's consistently more active. So that's, I mean, you, you hit that right on the, right on the nose. And I think a lot of times people don't realize the, and and Sonia has brought it up in the past. um, They think that they're working really hard, even when they're going to the gym, but they're really kind of like not right. Um, It's like- are, are you really working that hard though? Chris,
2: might not give me that. Sometimes I, I extrapolate it out and I really try to take into the context of, I'll ask, I know how much my clients are training, but I'll be on podcasts and I'll ask someone else and I'll say, Hey, Sonia, uh, how many hours per week would you estimate that your average client trains? You know, how many hours per day? We're well, talking I, maybe 60 minutes, 90 minutes.
1: So I have them track it too. So I would say on, it d- depends on them, but a lot of times it's Um, you know, thirty minutes of weight training to an hour, and then I have people Uh, that are on like that are in there like yeah, about four to five times a
2: week. So I always try to get people. They'll say I train really hard. I know I burn calories. First of all, we see in the literature that. Weight training does not burn a lot of calories. We'll see on average between 120 to 300 calories burned an hour of consistent weight training because right. it's intermittent exercise. Yeah. You're, you're lifting a weight, you're sitting down, or you're. I, I have my clients do steps or, or just you know walk around the gym during the rest periods. However, it's really not energy intensive in terms of its calorie expenditure, and that's not what weight training is for. It's for the adaptation. However, when we look at what makes up TDE, exercise activity thermogenesis would be your weight training, your intentional activities, your intentional exercise. It only accounts for five to 10% of your total calories burned per day. And so many people yeah. overestimate how many calories they're burning in their weight session and don't realize, hey, I might train really hard an hour a day, but then I'm compensating for 23 other hours out of the day. So that's right. why I try to get you're my clients to look. Down
1: the rest of the day and you're on Zoom yeah. kind of stuff. You're that, like, not burned anything. Difference. Yeah.
2: You know, you can burn up to five times more calories through daily meat on a consistent basis than you could in the gym. And a lot of people don't realize that. And that's why I'm always, I'm all about daily movement. I don't care what type of, you know, resistance training you want to do. I want you to do that to build muscle, to, you know, increase strength, to build those adaptations, not only to bone mineral density, but to your actual physique, to your body composition, but it's not for calorie expenditure. We're not going in there and doing circuits to burn calories because you're going to burn so many more calories through daily activity and through your diet. and They have different intentions.
0: I think the, uh, the biggest misconception is, and uh, I've and I, and I I've gotten this, actually that's late, I've gotten a lot of these, uh, where people say, look, I'm starting a, a workout phase, I'm working out, but I'm working out really hard and I'm here for two hours. And I say, two hours? To me is a stretch, two hours, because mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that your cortisol levels are gonna start spiking out of control. So you wanna control that. And I me, myself, I run really high cortisol. I have my blood, I don't think I've ever seen my cortisol lower than 19. Be honest with you. It's always, I mean, genetically, I run high cortisol. So it's one of those aspects that I really have to control with supplementation. And sometimes I force myself to sleep more. I, I take DSIP because I know that's something that genetically I have. But going back to what I was saying, um, a lot of people say, I'm working two hours, working out, And, and the, the, the first thing I say is, okay, that's wonderful. Have you lost any weight? He goes, that's the problem. I'm not. I said, it's okay. So think about what you just said right now. What are you doing the other 22 hours of your day? right stop focusing on what you're doing at the gym because you're absolutely right you have to have that time right it's it's extremely important but not for the process of fat loss what are you doing the other 22 hours how many hours of those 22 hours are you sleeping and what else are you doing that is not allowing you to hit that fat loss where you want to be you do that to me automatically i'm thinking your nutrition is probably not dialed in right right and you're not moving enough and that's the key. And if that doesn't fail, I would say, look, if if you are moving in in in, we let's say that I was tracking it, and I'm like, oh man, you, but you know what? He's writing everything. He's moving a lot. His nutri- I'm doing his nutrition, and I'm confident in what I'm I'm putting in there. So I know his nutrition is dialed in. He's doing his walks every morning, and that's not working. You know what? The first thing I think about, okay, you either have hormone hormone issues that need to be addressed, or you have digestion issues that need to be addressed. Yeah. So. It, it, it's always, you have to start narrowing down what the issues are, right? Is it a metabolic adaptation issue? Are you consuming, maybe you hit a plateau where, hey, you know, I'm not losing any more weight at 1900 calories or 2000 calories. Okay, do you, we increase cardio by five minutes or do we pull calories, right? And if you, can, if you do that and your body doesn't respond, then as a coach or somebody that actually knows the physiological aspect of the way the body works is like, well, let's start looking into other things that may be happening here. What, 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 what is your life, and Sonia said like, amazing when she talks about this. Okay, let's forget about all these other things that you, I, I know you are doing. How's your mm-hmm. lifestyle? Are you stressed? Mm-hmm. Are you sleeping? Is your cortisol level high, right? Because the second that you start addressing those issues and then your body responds then you know what it was you know what the issue was. It wasn't your need. It wasn't your, it wasn't your nutrition. It wasn't your workout. It's that you're going through a specific moment in your life that may be causing a disbalancing some of your hormonal output, right? So I think that's important for, for everybody to understand. Yeah. Try to understand your body and try to understand the way that it works, and what's good for you, and take into consideration everything that 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 Brandon just said right now in terms of need. You know, l- listen to these to these facts because it's what you do. Also, the twenty-two hours outside of the gym that matter the most, right? So, anyway, keep keep going with with that. Uh, any other questions you have right now for 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 uh, for Brandon Sonia?
1: I mean, I guess for me, I just kind of want to know, like, for you as a coach, what are you doing for these clients that are coming to you to? one pain awareness to them, which it sounds like you're already, you kind of already covered that, but like to move them out of this metabolic adaptation, like, are you doing a reverse diet? What does that protocol look like for you?
2: You know, so often people will think about metabolic adaptation and they only think about what are the compensatory things we're gonna do after a diet? And, and I think that's a great approach, don't get me wrong, but I'm more about maximizing and optimizing the approach that we take to the diet to minimize and mitigate metabolic adaptation off the bat. So, you know, it's something like I mentioned previously, it's not something that we can avoid. It's not something that can be completely avoided at least, but we can minimize some of the factors that are downregulated by metabolic adaptation to essentially make the process of dieting easier, more efficient, and more successful because we do not have a fat loss or weight loss issue in this country. We have a weight maintenance issue. So really, if you have incurred so many of these metabolic adaptations, you're going to become most likely one of these statistics where we see, you know, the national weight control registry within one year of dieting, 70% of people regain all the weight that they lost within two years, 85% of individuals that have dieted have regained all the weight they lost. And within three years, 95% of individuals have regained the weight that they lost. So that's why people say you hear this common statistic, 95% of diets fail. No, it's the maintenance portion, but it's also because of the metabolic adaptations and negative consequences and side effects that someone incurred during a diet. So the first thing that I look to to mitigate it is a slower rate of weight loss. So what I'm looking for is a smaller, more acute deficit. And we've seen that with slower rates of weight loss um, that it's better to preserve lean body mass. Um, It also attenuates some of the hormonal changes we see. It helps with maintaining training performance. Um, it'll also help from meat levels dropping as quickly than if you took a more aggressive approach. So generally what I'm looking for or what I'm shooting for in terms of a target body weight loss per week is 0.5 to 1% loss per week and generally between the 15 and 20% deficit. So often you'll see like these rapid fat loss protocols or these aggressive protocols, which are 40 to 50%, you know, reduction in calories. And that's going to incur all these metabolic adaptations so much more. So that's the first thing I do. The second thing is I'm always monitoring my clients' um, meat levels. So I do this prior to the diet. So I already know what is their standard? What is their daily, you know, if they were already someone that had really low meat, I've already worked it up to a certain, you know, threshold, but I'm making sure that they maintain it and that they're, they're very aware. I think awareness is key in all of these things. And because this is the most modifiable component of your metabolism that is affected by metabolic adaptation, we want to do our best to maintain it so that we can keep that calorie expenditure up. Um, The next thing I'm looking to preserve, and and Ron hit on this perfectly, I'm trying to preserve as much lean body mass as possible. We got to think about it in the context of this, you know, muscle burns 13 calories per kilogram as compared to fat, which only burns 4.5 kilograms or 4.5 calories per kilogram. So that's about a three, fold increase. So you do that through certain, um, you know, essentially strategies or approaches. The first is having a smart training approach, you know. I want them resistant training regularly. Um, this also has been shown to offset some of the muscle efficiency that we see from the increased mitochondrial efficiency. So increased mitochondrial efficiency sure. also makes muscular contractions and just general movements so much more efficient where you burn less calories per movement. So per contraction or per, um, hour walking and things of that sort. And like I mentioned before, I'm focusing on training being, um, an you know, to maintain tissue or build tissue and to maintain an adequate stimulus rather than as a way to burn calories, which is a huge mistake. I see people all the time. They'll say, you know, I'm going to do circuit training to burn more calories when I diet, or I'm going to do higher reps to burn calories when my diet. I'm going to burn in the cuts." No, you're losing muscle tissue, muscle tissue in the process. So we want to maintain what built it will preserve it. So if you, you, you built your physique on heavier loads, progressive overload training, maintain that stimulus as much as possible. The next thing I go into is the macronutrient distribution and the setup of the diet. And the first and most important thing is, I always tell my clients, we prioritize protein first. So essentially we're eating a higher protein diet for multiple reasons. It's gonna help with the retention of muscle mass. Uh, You're gonna increase the thermic effect of feeding because like I mentioned before, it's 20 to 30% of the calories you take in from protein is burned off. Um, It also helps with satiety. So that's huge in a diet, especially when your ghrelin has increased and your leptin has decreased. You're getting all these thrown off hunger signals, which are making you feel less satiated and full from hunger, uh, from meals. And it's causing that desire, that heightened food focus, all those different side effects. The next thing we want to do in terms of macronutrient distribution is maintain an adequate fat intake. Because not only is this important for hormone production because fat is, you know, precursors for hormone or cholesterol, but also for the absorption of fat-soluble minerals and vitamins. So we need that. And then the rest of their diet, the rest of their calories, I'm filling in from carbohydrate because I want to maintain training performance. I want to make sure that they're able to train hard. You know, have enough uh, glycogen reserve to train adequately hard. And then the last thing is eating more high-volume whole foods. You now I'm trying to help increase satiety, manage hunger, and also we see that unprocessed foods have a much higher thermic effect of feeding as compared to processed foods. Uh, then, then we go into lifestyle. So I'm not just looking at the, the training. A lot of people, a lot of times coaching, you know, people look at coaching as the X's and O's of macros and, you know, macros and nutrition and sets and reps in the gym. But I'm talking about, this is all about lifestyle modification and lifestyle optimization. So, much more. so if we're going to essentially mitigate metabolic adaptation, it's not just the the calories. It's not just the training. It's everything, man. you got to maintain high sleep quality. Sleep is essentially important for maintaining muscle tissue. We see that when people have gotten inadequate levels of sleep during a diet that they actually lose more lean body mass as compared to fat mass, even when they're in the same caloric deficit and losing the same amount of weight. So a good example of this is if you were to lose one pound per week and someone is sleeping eight hours a night compared to, I believe the study was 5.5 hours per night, they had a disproportionate level of fat mass loss to fat free mass loss so it, it's just incredible that you that could influence it so much and sleep also plays a major role in satiety hormones so when you don't sleep enough your leptin drops even more and your ghrelin raises and then i'm trying to make sure that they manage recovery because a lot of times people want to do more 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 and they think that that's going to elicit a better result in terms of fat loss it isn't. If your recovery is not intact, you're not going to recuperate correctly. You're going to suffer from high cortisol levels. You're not going to get adequate sleep. And you're also going to be in a position where you're not, you're not able to recover from the energy deficit. Remember, we don't have a lot of substrate in the system. So we got to manage all these things. And the rest, I always tell clients, listen, the rest is out of your control. We can't control your resting metabolic rate. We have to control the variables that are modifiable.
1: So Brandon, help, help us wrap it up too with like a couple things like, are there any, I, cause I know you come from the, the supplement side of things. Are there any things that you're helping, um, or adding in with clients to kind of help mitigate metabolic adaptation or, um, increase thermogenesis?
2: You know, there are, and, but there's nothing that's that significant to be honest with you. And, and this is why they're not that significant. We could look at caffeine. We could look at ephedrine. We can look at clenbuterol or other beta 2 antagonists but i consider those band-aids for a problem that don't address the root cause so when we really consider the supplementation side the ergogenic side now mind you i make a career out of selling supplements so I, i tell you i believe in them we could use adaptogens we could use things of that sort but really the biggest thing that we have to address first is the hormonal issues so you know, there's all these hormonal fluctuations. If we don't address those first, none of these things are going to really work. You know what I mean? So it's, it's about more so taking a high-priority approach and doing top-down, you know, it could be HRT. It could be uh, different implementations if someone has, you know, hypogonadism. It's addressing those root causes first before we just throw some ergogenic supplements in. Yes, there's things that could help thyroid support, I mean, we didn't even go into, we we should probably cover the the hormone aspect. I know you guys, your audience would probably love hearing about that.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Because
2: there's a huge component of metabolic adaptation that happens to hormones. So really, when we get to hormones, the first hormonal change, which occurs during metabolic adaptation or during a diet is a decrease in leptin. And leptin, just Mm -hmm. simply put, it's essentially our main regulator in your appetite and your satiety, as well as your energy expenditure. And it's probably, you know, what we would consider the most influential hormone involved in metabolic adaptation. Now, the thing with leptin, which is kind of scary, is that it seems to fall off like really significantly within the first few days of entering a deficit. So I've seen studies that within three to four days, you'll see a 50% drop in leptin. Wow. And it doesn't continue going down that precipitously, but it does. You see a huge drop off. And this is the reason why. Leptin is controlled gonna, by two different things. I'm
0: going to
1: interject. The size of our...
0: I'm going to interject real quick because I have a question yeah. on that. So how do you incorporate – and this is actually very important. I think my, our, our listeners are really going to enjoy this. So when you're saying that leptin levels drop by 50% during the first week or first four days of a, uh, of a fat loss journey, we'll, we'll call it that, at what point do you start incorporating – does Brandon start incorporating higher calories, maybe higher carbohydrates – maybe a cheat meal, which I know you had a whole post on cheat meals, by the way. Uh, So at what point do you do that? Do you do that after three, four days? Are you proponent of basically writing that 50% down regulation of leptin? And basically, how do you address that issue?
2: So this is what we really have to realize is there's gonna never be a one size fits all answer. It drops 50%, but within those first few days, but then we see it, it's a small, it's a very small decline. So anytime, if you just did a quick diet, you, you were sick, you had surgery, something, and it, you weren't even in an energy death or you weren't even in a fat loss phase. You lost no absolute body fat. Leptin is controlled by two things. Fat, you know, your level of fat mass because it's secreted from adipose tissue. So essentially leptin gets secreted from your fat cells in and of itself and acute changes in energy status or energy balance. So you can literally lose no fat and just the fact that you don't have a lot of calories coming in. It'll drop leptin, but we don't see large scale changes in your metabolic rate as a result off of those first few days so i don't see it being something if someone hasn't you know we're a few days into a deficit they haven't even lost a pound i can't address that preemptively that there would be no reason but when it does come down to addressing it later on in the diet when we do see certain so think about leptin as like the cascade starter it's like the domino effect once it lowers very significantly to the point where it's, it's the majority of leptin has downregulated. then we start seeing changes in other hormones, but not initially. So once I start getting other feedback, remember the body is a feedback loop. So once leptin gets low enough, it essentially, you know, sends signals to the hypothalamus that you're in like a survival state, you're in a famine. And that's where we start seeing energy levels decrease. We start noticing that we're more lethargic. That's where testosterone levels drop and all these hormones that we'll speak on in a minute. That's where I'm like, listen, we got to utilize a refeed. Let's try a two day back to back refeed. You know, leptin is very um, closely tied with insulin. So when you utilize higher carbohydrate refeeding, it will have a short term, now keep in mind, short term acute response in leptin. But the only way to get leptin back up to normal levels is two ways regain the body fat you've lost and get yourself out of an energy deficit. So the answer to your question, Ron, there is no way to reverse the downregulation of leptin during a dieting phase. There are ways to attenuate it, meaning to raise it transiently so someone feels better. We get a high carb refeed on a weekend. Someone will be able to train better, they'll have better endurance. It'll have a psychological boost, but we're not going to see a long-term physiological boost. Uh, increase in leptin until we return back to energy balance or back to maintenance calories a
0: question for you so have you noticed that whenever you do and i'm and you just uh said something that's very very important to me i say least because me personally i see a big benefit to a back-to-back refeed on myself and some mm-hmm. coaches don't some coaches will do you know we'll do a, a, a one-time refeed and that's a staple right and for me i like to look at biofeedback if i have a refeed uh, let's say a 20% increase in my carbohydrates, because I want, I want those carbohydrates. The refeed should be primarily driven by carbohydrates versus, you know, proteins always stagnant. And sometimes you, you t- tend to tweak protein to keep the calorie overall calories down a little bit. Right. But for the most part, your, your, your fat may drop and your carbohydrates may spike up to make sure that you have a good balance of, 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 that. But if you refeed, do you, would you say that there is a metabolic spike that, Happens when you're actually doing a carbohydrate refeed. Every, every hormone spikes, and as you're going back into your everyday diet, are you riding that metabolic roller coaster for additional fat loss?
2: Okay, so you're gonna hate this answer. Everyone yeah, hates. Probably, when yeah, at, I drop it on them because I wanted to believe in it too. I would yeah. love to believe in this. Believe me. That's right. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm about to bust a little myth, and also probably bust your balls on this. All right, so here's the thing: we do see. A transient, meaning a temporary rise in energy expenditure as a result of a refeed. We've seen that both in one-day refeeding, we've seen that in two-day refeeding, and we've seen that in diet breaks. However, like I said, transient, meaning you will see an uptick in energy expenditure. Because Think about, like I said in the beginning, calories in and calories out are neatly tied. You put more energy into the system, you get more energy out. So just like when you put less energy into the system, your neat drops, if you put more calories in, you'll notice you're a little bit more lively. I mean, you feel better. You're moving around more. So your energy expenditure, the amount of calories you burn during that refeed will increase, but it will not offset the amount of calories you ate. So what I'm saying is what I do with my clients is I put them back into maintenance calories. So when I titrate in refeeds or I, I include refeeds, it's based off their biofeedback, but I'll generally start with a one day refeed. And I just want to test out the process. I want to see how they resynthesize glycogen. If someone, for instance, I very rarely, rarely u- utilize this, but I do have some uh, long term endurance athletes that I work with that do take a ketogenic approach. Ketogenesis causes a down regulation in something called PDH enzyme, uh, pyruvate dehydrogenase. Mm-hmm. So their ability to resynthesize glycogen is lowered. So that's where I got I to really look at the refeed and see how their body's responding to. Carbohydrate increases, but generally i'll start with one day and that's in the beginning of the diet, they haven't lost a lot of fat and as the diet gets longer their refeeds get longer as well, but I will if i'm going to use multiple refeeds in the. Week I don't believe in doing those separate refeeds where someone will do a carb cycle and will do three low days one high day three low days one high day i'd rather have them both together both from a psychological aspect as well as from a physiological aspect. Because often what I've seen is when we do multiple throughout the week and we kind of separate it out, they don't get as much of a boost in terms of their energy production, their increase in meat, as well as their training, you know, efficiency. It's like it's there today and it's gone tomorrow because they're back in like a low calorie phase.
1: It's interesting too, because I started – you know, I, I, I used to explain it as an increase in carbohydrates, spikes in metabolism and all this happens. And now since, you know, you know, learning more into settings, like I really just explained it as a cortisol reset. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Increase in carbohydrates is going to help lower cortisol and the stress on your body throughout the week. Let's use it. I'll, I'll maybe add in like, Hey, restorative yoga on your refi days, have it be on a rest day. I'll add in a little bit more lifestyle stuff. Um, especially if we're pushing harder. Um, but it, it's funny because it's like, that goes back to that bro science, right? We do, we if you're not out there getting educated and staying on the forefront of education and science, you're literally repeating what your coach told you or you heard on a podcast or da 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 And it's like I used to explain it at that same way. It's like it spikes your metabolism. It doesn't spike your metabolism. It does drop cortisol.
2: It, no, it's absolutely. So we experience. do see there is a counter-regulatory relationship between cortisol and insulin. So when right. insulin rises it suppresses cortisol. And so a lot of people don't realize they'll say, you know, some people will say, oh, cortisol, it can't be, that can't be why you have five pounds of water. Well, cortisol binds to the aldosterone receptor, which is right. an antidiuretic hormone. So it causes you to retain that water. And we have data. When people say that, sometimes I'll get on Instagram. I send them a paper from the forties called the Minnesota semi I love study. And one. They, had, <laughs> they had edema in 1945 based off cortisol levels right. and we have yeah. literature from that dating until now so that is an example that cortisol i mean cortisol down regulates everything we're talking about down regulations in testosterone and estrogen production yeah. um you know obviously it's it's causing stress into the body, body and the then it manifests
1: really in that water retention decreased dhea like it can it, right. when we talk thyroid about, production thyroid production when it exactly and, and you nailed it it's like what it's not a matter of, we can't just be looking at it as like this food is a magic food. Otherwise high carbohydrate diets would be metabolically charging.
2: No, you know, well, it, there it, is one thing. So we do have, lit- we do have literature actually, when we talk about hormones, cause we are talking about that, yeah. that- when you go into a calorie-restricted state, you will lose the same amount of body fat whether you utilize a low-carb or a high-carb approach or, or a low-fat approach. However, yeah. that when we see down regulations in thyroid production, taking a higher-carb approach doesn't exacerbate them as much. So when we look at a low-carb approach, it actually accelerates the yeah. um, decrease that we see in thyroid production quicker. So I generally like to favor if someone is in, you know, it's good with it. They don't care. They don't have a preference. I'd rather go with a higher carb approach to a diet and do yep. a lower fat approach so yeah. that we don't see that, that down regulation. Cause usually what we see is the conversion of T4 to metabolically active T3 will be interrupted due to the stress of the calorie deficit right. and the cortisol elevation. And then what we, you'll notice is which a lot of doctors unfortunately won't test for is we'll see a higher conversion to reverse T3, which is metabolically inactive. So taking, you know, there are ways, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes people will ask me, well, what are you going to utilize hormonally? What are you going to utilize supplement-wise? You know, there are things, thyroboost, great product, essential minerals to help with thyroid production and conversion and cofactors. There's all these things, but my dietary approach, that's my first line of defense. all these issues.
1: So Brandon, give us a couple things as we wrap it up. What are like two things low? We always talk about like low hanging fruits. What are like two things right now that our listeners can maybe look at and then change that would be beneficial for them to kind of move forward towards their goals?
2: Number one thing, your mindset, mindset around this, this topic, your mindset about fat loss, you are not broken. You are not damaged. You are not permanently screwed up or you know or have any of these issues your mindset needs to improve there are challenges along any process Uh, I'll tell you I've done over 100 photo shoots in 15 you know shows and I've struggled with many of them it's a part of the process but don't take it as you know we have a lot of people in this industry which will try to sell the simple story there's something wrong with you and I can fix you they're trying to sell you on something And, and hey, by all means, do what you got to do for business. But I I don't believe in that approach first and foremost. However, your mindset is what precedes everything that you do and the success that you will have. So if you want to go far in fitness or in business or in your relationships, you have to approach it with a positive mindset and realize there are going to be challenges within fat loss. But from a physiological perspective, there is not one person on this earth that cannot lose body fat. You will if you get yourself into a calorie deficit. Now, mind you, it's, it's about a true deficit. You will lose fat. The second thing is be more accurate. I want you to be more accurate in your tracking of your steps. Be more accurate in your expectations of your calorie expenditure. We actually have research studies that show that people overestimate their calorie expenditure through exercise by 51% and underestimate their calorie intake by 47%. Well, now, here's the yeah. thing with that. That is called, if so you're not you're trying, it's like, oh, I like like can't like manage when you don't measure.
1: Yes. You can't manage yeah. what you
2: don't measure. So my whole thing is, it's not that you're doing this purposely, but you just have to be, when I bring awareness to my clients about this, that most people, we even see that dietitians are off by 25 to 30% in research studies on their calorie estimation. That should be a big wake-up call. If there's someone that's educated in this as a field, they have a degree and they're off, we are subject to what I call human error. We're all you know we're all you know fallible. So realize you don't have to be perfect. You have to be accurate. You have to be precise. Meaning on a daily basis, do the same daily disciplines. Implement your know, daily walks into your schedule. Get some daily movement. It's about consistency over intensity and precision over perfection. So that's what I really try to get across to people: be more accurate in your tracking. Have a better mindset and realize that your physiology will you know follow your psychology. And there's you know realize. I hope everyone listening to this. Uh, realizes that there is no metabolic damage. There is no, you know, there are issues that come along with all these, you know, with dieting, but there's also huge benefits. So for every cost, you know, for every give me, there's a gotcha. Just realize it and take it on the chin and and keep plugging along and utilize smarter strategies.
1: Awesome. So Brandon, uh, help us plug yourself. Where can people find you? What do they need to know? Give it to us.
2: All right. You guys can find me. The place I'm most active is on Instagram at Brandon DeCruz underscore. I also have a website called brandondecruzfit.com. And then you guys, if you guys have any questions, feel free to DM me. I do, you know, ex, you know, extensive posts and podcasts weekly based on the questions that I get. I get close to a hundred DMs per day. So at this point, it's hard to get back to everyone. So I just do podcasts on them oftentimes. So feel free to reach out to me on either of those platforms. My email is bdecruzfitness at gmail.com. And I appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Awesome. Yeah, Brandon, you've been amazing. We'll definitely have you back definitely crushed a lot of stuff. It's funny because when Ron's like, Hey, I booked Brandon for metabolic adaptation or uh, metabolic damage. I said, I hope he's talking about how it's not real. And he's like, he better be, (laughs) he better be. (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. No no worries on that. That's right. Make sure
2: sure with that because often people will, will mislabel the actual podcast and I'm like, Oh Lord, now my name's attached to that
1: yeah yeah no 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 i didn't think that you were we were just kind of like chat, chatting back and forth and next week we've got jeff black on he's gonna be talking he's gonna be with the whole relentless forever crew uh, the whole crew is gonna be on that right ron no
0: no no so we're chat. gonna have we're gonna have two episodes we're gonna have um jeff black hrv which as a matter of fact i'm getting questions on hrv because they're looking at the post right now so we're gonna nail hrv uh, with Jeff back it was going to be a badass episode. Then, I, mean, I think the la- the latter part of July, we have uh, two of his coaches from Relevance Forever coming yeah, on. Yeah. So we're gonna we've we're gonna got definitely got some be bomb bad.
1: people coming down. We're gonna have Austin Stout back. We have Lauren Conlon coming down. JV Pinner is gonna be on. So we've got some really dope guests. Brandon, you've been amazing as always, guys. You have thought, you have listened. To- <laughs> I don't. As always, I don't really have anything to say. No. Um. Thanks for listening to episode fifteen with Hard Facts, you guys. We absolutely appreciate the fuck out of you. We're so happy that you guys are listening and keep it coming with what topics you guys want us to follow.
0: You guys rock! Thank you so much, Brandon, for being on. Thank you, everybody, to all our listeners. Thank you, Sonia, for being such a rock star and uh, helping us out our, with Hard Facts Fitness every single week and leading the effort. And with that, we want to say, as always, we are out.